Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. Good evening. I am your host, M. Toussaint, and not Jason Miles. Jason Miles is out on assignment tonight. Welcome to another episode of This Is Revolution podcast. Thank you all for joining us. Before we start, if you're new to the channel, please hit subscribe, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you're alerted when, whenever we go live. We're constantly adding cross streams with other channels and adding new shows. Speaking of shows, we have another episode of a new show with our very own Gene Bajalon and his co-host C. Derek Varn. We'll have more historic conversations. They did a show recently on the deadly earthquakes in Turkey and Syria and the failures of the state to retrofit buildings. You should check that out. We also did a fundraiser with that show. Also, if you haven't checked it out, I have a piece in Sublation Magazine. We even did a show about it. It's about Black History Month in its current iteration and how we could possibly reimagine it. Also, our host Jason Miles has a piece that dropped Friday called, Is the Contemporary Left a Branding Exercise? Speaking of Jason Miles, if you're in West Hollywood, California area this, Wednesday, this, uh, this Valentine's Day, come hang out with a couple of divorce podcasters. Jason and Ben Burgess will be at Slash's booth at the Rainbow Barn Grill. Come hang out. They're they're really there, and you can go hang out with them. Um, we also have some revolutionary merch, and I need to let you guys know that you need to become a patron. To be to become a patron, it's just uh, three, five, ten bucks. You get access to the Mau Mau Hour. Um, you can ask us questions. Uh, let's have a look at the merch real quick. Got some snapbacks. Got some hoodies. Got a mouse pad with Pascal's smiling face on it. You got some mugs. We're doing pretty good. You should check that out. I am going to bring in our our co-host, uh, the man of the Mau Mau Hour himself, Pascal Robert. Hello, Pascal. Hey, peace and greetings, M2 Sun. Peace and greetings to the chat. Peace and Greetings to the audience. I don't celebrate Valentine's Day, but probably do. So uh, hopefully we have a good show talking about love is in the air. Love is in the air. <laughs> You're our Mr. Lover Man for tonight. No. We appreciate it. <laughs> is that a fact? Yes, it is a fact. So tonight we have as guests Radio Free. <laughs> the podcast, Radio Free Tote Bag. So Audrey and Donovan are here with us tonight. We're going to bring them in and we're going to answer some of your questions. Hello, Audrey. Hello. Hi. And hello, Donovan. Hey. Hello, Audrey hello. and Donovan. So How's nice it going? See you two. Can you tell us a little bit about Radio Free Tote Bag? Oh, sure. yeah. Hit him, Dono. Uh, it's a dating and relationship advice podcast by a sweet trans lady and a sweet non-binary lady. That's that's me. Uh, we've been going for five years. We mostly do uh, answer and listener questions. We have an anonymous question box people send stuff into, and it's mostly dating and relationship questions. Uh, but we've had people, you know, write in about exploring their gender identity. Uh, about mental health type stuff. That's something we deal with as well. Uh, and then pretty consistently, we'll have guests on from other podcasts. We've had uh, the guys from Minion Death Cult on, Street Fight Radio, uh, Vic Berger from, uh, I'm blanking on the name of his show with, with uh, Tim Heidecker. Office Hours. Office Hours. And at one point, John McAfee for some reason, but that was, that's a bit of a fool <laughs> how that happened. Uh but yeah, it's a comedy show, but we try to sincerely answer people's questions. We got a really good community going. Appreciate that about you guys. Oh, thanks. Do you want to give us an, your an show idea? Generally of... have a kind of... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask, does your show have a generally left orient orientation? Uh, definitely so. I mean... It... <laughs> It's a weird thing because I don't think you can discuss or give relationship advice without some kind of ideological grounding to it. I mean, we're both socialists. 
But beyond that, we're both, you know, open-minded towards gender identities, relationship structures. Uh, and so we just kind of come from a place of being non-judgmental towards what people write in, you know, as long as what they're doing is consensual and supportive. And uh, so, well, I mean, well, topics will come up. Audrey, you could probably think of some examples when well, the abortion ban happened. We spoke on that for a while. Yeah. Um, when Bolsonaro was elected the first time and when he got sick, we um, we talk about like basically when horrible things happen, we feel like we we have to express our horror at these things like we we react to the world as it is and we try to uh ameliorate people's pain like we just we want to you know from our philosophical grounding is reducing the net amount of suffering in the world uh and uh that's what we try to do also i talk about birds sometimes and so i've got some <laughs> budgies behind me and maybe they're in love. Maybe that's the Valentine's theme. I have a green screen that I really wanted to try. So thank you for letting me <laughs> use this on stream. I love no I problem know. at all. We can't, I can't take you anywhere, Donovan. I should have known you were the birds. I got other ones. You might you might see a little slideshow later on. We've got herons. we got kingfishers. You wouldn't believe it. Good to know. Good to know. Did we lose Pascal? Yeah. Yeah, I was having some internet interruptions here. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. I see. I see. Um, do you have any uh, introductory questions, or do you want to jump in? Uh, we can start with the questions, but I mean, I do have a certain. I mean, being that you guys are dealing with relationships on the left, what are some of the biggest challenges you have in terms of? giving relationship advice in in this current situation in terms of political economy and in terms of the, the politics of the culture war as well. Like, how does that affect the way in which you guys give your relationship advice, advice and deal with your callers? For, for my sanity, I do my level best to simply accept the things that I can accept and empower the people that i can empower and not let for example uh, a turf wizard game just came out and i don't right. i don't care to think about turf wizard game too much and you know our our listeners come to us as sort of like we're not exactly an apolitical oasis like we talk about you know the difficulties of the day but uh we just kind of try to ground ourselves in what we can do and try not to reach beyond our scope really you know because a lot of it too like dating in general and in this country and i feel like the west generally too can be this weirdly transactional thing there can be a lot of social pressures on like you have to have sex with a lot of people you have to have a partner otherwise you're not enough of a man or whatever the you know role you're supposed to be fulfilling is and you know, as somebody who's had some pretty serious mental health stuff in the past, when you combine that with like the emotional turmoil of being out there dating, of trying to figure out your identity, there's not like a lot of guidance there oftentimes. And a lot of what, what is out there like fits that nonsense uh, structure, like pickup artists or something yes. we've covered mm -hmm. before. And something you see like a lot on the internet. And it's this framing of this is how you acquire a partner as if that's right. like a, a, a prize you're supposed to get as opposed to how do you find somebody that you get on with and have a relationship that functions and supports both of you uh, or more than both of you if you're in a, in a poly arrangement. Uh, and so I think that's where we were coming from to begin with. Like we ultimately started this because we just wanted to start a show. And I, I grew up listening to Loveline with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew, uh, who both suck. <laughs> like that show <laughs> had so many issues with it. People would call in and they're mocking abuse victims, like all of this just awful stuff. But especially when that was on before the you know internet communities were a bigger thing, that was the only avenue for a lot of people to learn about anything to ask questions about sex and relationships especially given the state of sex education in this country like a lot of people just don't have anything 
And if you go online, there's a lot of really bad stuff out there. So we're very clear that like, we're not experts. We're, we're just a couple of goofballs, ultimately. Like it is a comedy show, uh, but both of us have, have been through a lot relationship-wise, mental health-wise, gender identity-wise. And so we just kind of seek to be like, people who write in, you're not alone with this. You're not the first person who's dealt with this stuff. Here is what worked for us. You know, we, we hope we can give some kind of guidance there. And, uh, you know, we've built kind of a discord community as well. That's been very open-minded and supportive group of people. Um, a lot of kind of checking in on people posting about having bad days or in abusive relationship structures. Um, so again, can't be over here saying we've got any kind of expertise or degree on this stuff, but we got a lot of experience and I know Audrey's got a good heart and I'd like to think I do too. You certainly do. And I, I think it's essentially the, the relationship Overton window is so far to the right that like pickup artistry and trad shit and monogamy and all of the, like, you know, and, and uh, sort of the traditional way of doing things is so emphasized in popular culture um that anything that presents uh, a different vision is leftist essentially you know what i mean if we if you're if you're not doing trad shit that is essentially leftist and to my mind i don't know wow and well another question i want to ask you is that how much of that right-wing trad stuff that you're talking about how much does it really clog the intellectual thoroughfare of your ability to make, you know, the kind of relationship advice you find important salient? Because I find that that kind of stuff really clogs the airways, particularly the, the manosphere stuff and sure. the uh, the uh, the type of uh, I was just reading an article in the I think it was in the New Yorker today talking about the problem with boys. It was like, it was one of these crisis of masculinity articles. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard all the stats about, you know, educational attainment of young boys compared to girls and blah, blah, blah. And guys, you know, following all these personalities in the manosphere. How does that affect your ability to deal with like relationships? Are you even interested in appealing to, like traditional heterosexual males in terms of giving them relationship advice, being the kind of nature of, you know, your show and you know, your identities on the show is, is, are you, in other words, is there any effort to kind of pull those guys away from those spaces? I mean, of course, I mean, whoever writes in, we give them our most sincere grounded and we try to, as best we can give healthy advice in the direction of being open, honest, communicating with your partner and, you know, trying not to be a fascist or like even in your own home, you know what I mean? Like, don't be, don't be controlling. Don't, you know, like if we, if we identify those behaviors in somebody, we try to steer them away from them or uh, <laughs> instruct their partner to do the same and to get the fuck away. Definitely. And like part of the reason that that manosphere shit is so big and like there's a million different factors playing into this, but a lot of it is like dating is just hard. If you yeah. don't have any kind of guidance, it can be really overwhelming. If your self-esteem is in a bad place, like how do you even begin to connect with someone? And if you're putting this pressure on yourself that I have to be in a relationship or like, I'm, I'm going to be an incel or, uh, you know, I'm not a complete person or whatever. That kind of weird pressure does real bad things to people in terms of driving them to, you know, worse places for advice. And so like Audrey was saying, you know, we talk a lot about different relationship structures, different gender identities, but anybody who writes in, you know, I don't know, as the cis presenting male for 29 years of my life, and so I've experienced dating from that angle. I've been a dipshit 15-year-old with, like, not great attitudes necessarily towards, like, women I was dating. And I don't mean that in, like, a super, I was a big, like, incel person. But just if you're raised as a male in this country, you're going to internalize a lot of bad shit. Right. Acquiring a partner kind of thing is what I would feel a lot when I was younger. And so I think giving advice for... Again, you don't want to get a partner because you have to, but like seeking out a relationship is, is a good thing and a thing that a lot of people want. 
Here's practical advice for doing that. Treat people like they're fucking humans. Just go talk to somebody. Don't be weird and pressury about stuff. Enjoy the time that you're spending with them. And if it turns into something great, and if it doesn't, that doesn't make you a lesser person. That doesn't make you right. a failure. It just means that it didn't match up. Move on to going out with somebody else. So I think we try to reduce a lot of that weird societal pressure that people feel to act a certain way, to be in certain kinds of relationships, all that sort of thing. Yeah, that's the way in which we push against the, the trad current. Great. Tucson, you want me to, you want to take it from there? Sure. Well, I wanted to ask another question um, real quick. Just how has COVID affected uh, your show? <laughs> it's funny because like right when COVID popped, like right, you know, about March of 2020, uh, every question we got turned into how do you what are we supposed to do? <laughs> how do we do this? Right. Um, how, how does our relationship survive isolation with each other yeah, all I think day? It was like within the first week, we got one that was like, I need to break up with my boyfriend, but we live together and it's COVID. What do we do? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's hard. It was hard for everybody. For sure. Uh, we were also, like it should be said, Audrey's in Cincinnati. I'm in Chicago now, but I was in Nashville when we started. I was in Portland right before the pandemic. I've moved around a lot. So we've been doing this remote for, you know, the whole five years, five years next month that, we, that we've been doing this. Um, so like, luckily for us, like we didn't, it didn't disrupt our recording schedule. Uh, Audrey, I'm sure you feel similarly, but like, this was a goddamn anchor point for us through that. Like having this consistent thing to talk about relationship stuff and like how the pandemic was affecting us and our relationships too. Like it's definitely an element that through the show, we're working through our own stuff and we're speaking to those experiences. Uh, so just the fact that like we kept the show on the rails and that was like a set thing that we would do every week that, that kept me sane in, in a really big way. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. I, rem I remember I was in a Dollar Tree listening to one of your episodes, which is, um, I'm fond of listening to your podcast in Dollar Tree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I remember uh, hearing, uh, I believe Donovan, you you were dating at the very beginning of COVID, and then it became like a cohabitation situation really quickly. Yeah. What happened? What? Yeah. So I was <laughs> luckily like because that could have been a disaster. Like this is someone I'm not dating anymore, but I'm still I'm still friends with. Uh, mm -hmm. We. How the hell did that happen? We met in Nashville. She had just moved to Vegas. I had just moved to Portland. And we had just visited each other like the week before everything started closing down. And it really hit like this is this is happening. Uh, and we were both living alone and in these new cities. And so I was like, do you want to just come here and stay with me? I don't know what else to do. So she drove up to Portland from there. Uh I don't know. I can't even remember what we were thinking, but imagining like maybe this will be a month <laughs> or something. I, I don't really, yeah. you know, just in such a fugue state. I was also horrifically depressed leading into the pandemic. There's some mm -hmm. candidness about the mental health stuff I've talked about. So like I was already kind of isolating in a way and uh, just struggling not having my support system in, in this new city. Uh, so we lived together and like mm. all things considered in, in a studio apartment also worked all right. Like we, we ended up driving across the country to get her back home and to get me back home uh, with my cat in April of 2020. That's actually when we recorded with John McAfee. I was in a, in a hotel in the middle of Colorado sometime. I had completely forgot that we'd set that interview up because he was just doing whatever podcasts and we were like, <laughs> I, like that's insane. I guess we should talk to this guy and, and pod damn America had had him on. So we're like, well, maybe we can talk to them from this and all that stuff. Uh, but like, we, I don't know that relationship. We, we survived the beginning of the pandemic. It just got to a point where it was distance. And I think generally like both of us knew it wasn't a hundred percent right. So I ended on good terms. Uh, but pretty, pretty remarkable that, <laughs> That it stayed okay through the through the duration of that though, because goddamn, that's a challenge for any relationship, but especially like somebody I had just started dating seriously. Yeah, I I remember being really very impressed in Dollar Tree. It's just like, 
how did he do this? How did he pull this off? It's amazing. It's amazing. I was like, is this what well, people are doing you. now? Good job. Good job. Do you want to jump into the questions, Pascal? Do you want to pick one? Let me see what we have here. Okay, we have one here from a single. He says, I am a single leftist Asian male, average looks but physically fit, and never released how low the opinion of, never realized the, how low the opinion of Asian women have of Asian men. We really are seen as being lesser caliber than white or black men, and social atomization means that these notions don't get challenged. While I'm expected to pay for dates, I, I no longer expect to be treated with any basic respect and am invariably ghosted. It was different when my in, in my 20s as while young women experimented sexually and were seen as options, but we were not we are not attractive options for long-term relationships or husbands. What do y'all think about that? I feel I mean I you know I feel like that's a, probably some internalized racism if I had to imagine that like mm -hmm. this is this is somebody who is accepted uh as of a level of self-hatred. I don't I don't know. Like that's that seems really like like a difficult difficult thing to disentangle in your head. Uh cuz is it that universal? I don't know if I'm if I'm keyed into like that idea. Yeah, I mean, that's not something either of us have personal experience with, but racism towards non-white people is a thing in this country. I've, I've heard from Asian friends and like people online generally of having that kind of experience. And so in a white dominated culture like this, obviously there's going to be some weirdness like that. And that's incredibly frustrating. And I wish I yeah. could speak to like navigating that, but like, I'm a, I'm a pretty attractive white guy. I haven't had a whole lot of like shitty dismissals by people on dating apps. I think they're talking about dating apps too. And I think that is kind of a, a big thing mm -hmm. here. And it's something we talk a lot about on the show, mm -hmm. the way that they work with it being you know, the initiating things is completely looks based. You might like check somebody's profile and stuff, but generally speaking, you're just swiping through pictures of people. And right. so it's going to be biased to people who are more traditionally physically attractive, whatever that means in the area that you're, you're dating. Right. And so that can be incredibly frustrating and it can feel like if you, you know, oh, I'm swiping through hundreds of people and like two people have liked me and they don't respond this must mean I'm worthless and that like no one likes me, but it's like, no, that just means that this dating app Avenue, the weird algorithm that it has, isn't it's supporting you basically, isn't letting you highlight, you know, more of yourself that, uh, you know, that, that, that might make people uh, kind of come on to you. This is also just something we talk about generally on the show. Like, it is a numbers game on those apps. You are mm -hmm. going to not match with the majority of people. You are going to have so many things that are turned down and you really can't put that much stake in it. It's got to be, hey, this is an avenue to meeting people. But if it doesn't work out, that doesn't mean that I am flawed. That means mm -hmm. that this system is flawed to some extent. And I mean, it could be you're flawed in terms of like confidence and stuff, but I feel like meeting somebody face to face you got more of a chance to show yourself off as a person than just like here's this picture of me that you're going to spend a second looking at before moving on again that it's just going to favor traditionally traditionally like mainstream attractive people whatever the hell that means and i i feel like attraction is such a personal thing like i i have a hard time extrapolating that out necessarily like i'm thinking that like somebody's gonna think you're hot you know what i mean for sure so just, you gotta you just gotta keep keep looking and see see what you can find out there someone's gonna like you you know uh the idea that there's someone out there for everyone there's some ones you're gonna you're gonna run into mm -hmm. somebody so just keep at it and and keep your chin up and i i feel like it's a matter of of remaining positive in the face of of difficulty while not like 
I don't know. Like, are you intuiting too much into how people are perceiving you or are you, I don't know. I don't know. I, this one's. I'm, I'm switching nice to a heron. picture of a blue heron for this one to inspire you, listener. Look at, the, look at this guy and his big beak. He could snatch a fish real easily. And how does he do that? He works on himself. And that's kind of another thing that we'll talk about a lot with dating. That's a terrible analogy. Uh, but then in these situations, instead of like racking your mind and obsessing like, fuck, everything is stacked against me. I'm never going to find anybody. Like that's just killing your self-confidence. It's going to be really hard to meet people. It's going to be hard on dates if you're in this position of I've swiped all this much. I've, I finally got a date with somebody after weeks going into it. You have all of this pressure like there's going to be nobody else out there for me. Like this was the one person. How the fuck are you going to act normal on a date if you're putting all of that pressure on yourself and, and telling yourself mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it's because I'm not good enough or whatever, and, and not just a matter of the algorithm. Uh, it, it really is just building confidence and self-love in whatever way you can yeah. do. You know, you're talking about working out as a thing that you do. Big supporter of that. I've been powerlifting for a long time. It's done a huge amount for my self-esteem and, and anxiety. Uh and just kind of self-confidence generally, but like projects are another thing, like just having stuff to talk about, having things that matter to you, that you can share with people. People get excited about that stuff. And the more, you know, kind of time you invest into yourself and expressing yourself through those projects, whatever interests you have, the more you have to bring to the table and the more possible commonalities you have with people. Get really into birds and put them as your background like I'm doing. Now you've got like a, a connection to potential birder honeys out there. And and then you got something to talk about. And going on a date isn't so hard because, you know, you know all about blue herons. And they're like, that's my favorite heron. They're way better than green herons. <laughs> and you're in love now. And then you're married. That's That's kind of my thought. It's that easy. <laughs> I got to stop doing this when I guest on shows. It's. <laughs> I just like to... I like I like inserting birds into conversations. I think they're neat. <laughs> so someone has another question. Okay. What do we is, got? is seducing the boss considered class warfare? Oh interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now typically I am against uh dating in the workplace, especially when there's a power dynamic involved. However, yeah. if you are subverting that power dynamic by bringing the boss in by saying like, I will, I will see you, right? Mm -hmm. That feels like you are sort of like taking something from the boss. You are taking what you want from the boss. I, I feel this in like a fuck it. Let's just screw these people. Let's make them feel bad kind of way. But generally speaking, I think that's just a recipe to potentially hurt yourself. Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't change the actual power dynamics of exactly. the actual job. Exactly. That's right. That's absolutely the case. Um, you're you more likely to come out of that in a bad situation, too, if you're the worker and this is, you know, a, a fucking manager owner of the company or whatever. Like, if something goes wrong there, that's going to come back to get you. They have the fucking hiring, firing power. Uh, I think generally, this is something we talk about too. There's the power dynamic there. Like even as a bit, I just don't don't okay. like that. I think that's okay. a recipe for bad times. Audrey, you can go full chaos mode if you want to, though. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, whoa, my face got so big just whoa, now. Big <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Let's try this one. Oh no! It's Giantess kink on the show where people That's like right. animate giant Somebody ladies. likes this. Somebody's yeah. very into that oh, configuration. <laughs> hmm. it's, it's, it is patently not class warfare. If the boss is, I don't know, if the boss is a cutie and you don't care too much about that gig, fuck it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the but, uh, you don't care about that gig. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Uh, I wouldn't advise it. I wouldn't advise to stay away from, you know. You don't want to fuck anyone in management, you know? Yeah, then you're going to spend this time with a damn manager. Yeah. Oh, 
What are you going to talk about? KPIs? Ooh, no, no, thank ooh, you. Not sprint cycles. They get me so hot. Wow. Ooh, our what units per hour are about? up. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> okay, someone has a question here. This is very culturally specific. Let me. I'm interested in dating someone from a specific culture. Let's say Haitian. I love learning about the history and eating the foods and think I would be fun to date someone with that. I think it would be fun to date someone with that background, provided that we get along and have similar interests. But how do I walk the line of wanting to date an individual from said culture without having a, a, it feel like fetishization? Yep. That's a very good yeah. question. That's a very, very difficult uh, question to answer, right? Because just off the bat, isn't the fact that you're looking to date someone because of the culture somewhat right. kind of a fetishization? That is patently, yeah. yes. <laughs> In the territory of yeah. the fetishization. Right. Yeah. I would say that the only, the only way that it would even be remotely chill to me would be to move there and live there and live that culture mm. and not try to like hunt someone down who like live <laughs> right. in their society to like fetish to fetishize them. if you like go okay, and you you, part of you, that culture to a certain let me ask you a, let me ask you a parallel question if a guy says i'm attracted to jamaican women Mm-hmm. Is he fetishizing Jamaican women because he says he's attracted to Jamaican women, or a guy says I'm attracted to Dominican or Latino women? Mm-hmm. Is he right. fetishizing them? In other words, do particular tastes in dating preferences, whether it's cultures or identities, demonstrate? a type of fetishization? That is a super good question. And it's yeah. such a gray area. Like this is something that's, that's come up on our show too. I mean, we get this, like it, trans people know about chasers. Like that's a big thing there too. And it's not that it's wrong to be attracted to a trans woman. It's that to hunt specifically so that when you're with someone, you're not looking at them as a person like this specific individual, you're looking at them as this category. That's when it gets weird to me. And so like with expressing like a preference thing, like, like, I don't know, you've got, uh, you know, saying like, wow, the women from this country are beautiful. Like there's a little bit of that there, but I don't, I don't know if I would necessarily call that fetishizing, but it definitely can be like, I feel like it kind of depends on how that is expressed. But I would say that specifically, like you're going out there and you're like, gonna date a jamaican woman i'm looking for a jamaican woman and you meet one and you're like this is a jamaican woman this is what i'm looking for nobody wants to be the fucking category that feels so weird and it's like obviously i don't know i've dated people from other countries it's cool to experience like that difference of culture and everything like there's a definite kind of allure there and that's okay but it's more like if that is the primary focus like if you're going category first as opposed to individual in there, this category. And here's some cool stuff about that. Like, I think that's when it gets kind of weird and chasery, but like really is a weird gray area. And I feel like, you know, depending on kind of a culture's relationship to like, let's say white American culture, like there's kind of distinctions there, like being like, uh, love British girls feels different than being like, ah, like I want a Japanese girlfriend and all of the kind of weird incel shit towards like east asian women that there are uh but again like i I don't know it's hard to articulate like this is okay but this isn't a very interesting point donovan what you're saying is that in terms of the overall power dynamics of hierarchies of nations and empires right and still like not that it would be certain countries that have been somewhat Socially, culturally, economically, or politically otherwise, whether it be Asian people or Japanese people, even though Japan is a relatively modernized country, but it still, you know, has a certain kind of mysticism about it, if you will, otherization, if you will. Yes. 
that that's different than saying, oh, I like British women or I like French women. That there's a different type of power dynamic. It's a, a false equivalence when someone say, hey, I really love women from Thailand. And someone says, oh, I really love women from Paris. Is that right? Good- mm, it just feels a, it feels different. And I, I don't know if I could properly articulate like this is the relationship between all of these things here. But what you're getting at, like, I feel like there is something to that. I think it just kind of ties in with racism and kind of tokenizing in this weird way. And when that overlaps with like chaser type behavior. Again, it's just got to come down to if you're the individual, somebody's dating, somebody's like proposing to date or whatever, you don't want to feel like it's because you're this thing and they have in their head built up that this thing is is this and you're that. And so that's why I'm with you. That feels creepy and weird and dehumanizing, to be honest. Like right. you, you want to be liked for who you are and not that you're this category and however this motherfucker perceives that category is it just feels yeah. shifty and it it absolutely does and i think there's a degree to which it's like uh who was it in the in the 90s the, who said uh pornography i know it when i see it right uh you know <laughs> justice like you can yeah oh yeah yeah so you you can feel it in the way somebody looks at or talks to you like because i right. i've been on dates with people where i'm like Oh, you just want to see what I got going on here. Okay, great. Yeah, that's all right. That feels good. That feels real good. Yeah. Right. There's, there's so many ways you can go with that question, right? Because it's like, you know, what if, uh, you know, you just like, wh- we would have, I, I was watching a dating show, dating show that Jason was on recently, uh, Bad Faith podcast with Brianna Joy Gray. And yeah. he started to fall into the conversation about, aesthetic tastes in dating, right? And then they got into this whole... Da- I don't necessarily want to go there because it's such a deep, complicated subject matter. Yeah. They started talking about issues about how aesthetics, in terms of what we find attractive, may be correlated to dominant images that we see in media and television. For example, sure. there was this whole... They digress into this whole thing about why is it that you know there's a predominance of black women who are in televised media or film media are fair complexion with longer straight hair or is it why is it that if you see a woman who was acting as a jewish role oftentimes she doesn't real she has more uh anglophone features as opposed to some would consider if, if there's such thing as a stereotypically jewish features sure some of them ascribe that for not, that to the a phenomenon of quote unquote white supremacy, which I think is really just a you know a, a reductive way of saying the power dynamics of empire and capitalism. Quite frankly, uh, uh, what is that a commodification of aesthetics? Does that should one second guess that, or because here's the thing. And this is a response I've actually heard from friends is that one of the few places where you can have absolute autonomy in decision making of what you want is in your dating preferences. Mm-hmm. And because that can be so important to your life choices overall, regardless of what shapes them, you should basically indulge in whatever drives those choices. Sure. It's tough. Like this stuff is just so murky and there's so many dynamics at play because like, yeah, how do you distinguish I'm into women? Like I like big asses. How do I distinguish that from, am I tokenizing people for having big asses? And then when it's some sort of feature that is connected to like a cultural component or like a class component, racial, whatever it is, like the way that those components fit into the power dynamics of the society we're in, like there's definitely stuff at play there. But then at the same time, like if you get too into that, then are you going to like police yourself on who you're attracted to in this weird way? Like I think at a certain point, like that just gets so 
murky and 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 difficult to kind of like pick apart like there's not like a clear this is the right thing to do answer mm -hmm. and so i think just again what we come back to is like go after people because you like them and you're attracted yes. to them don't seek out this specific kind of thing but like if you're into somebody go for it if you feel like hey maybe i'm doing some kind of fetishizing or like tokenizing here i think it's a good thing to reflect on but at the same time, like, I wouldn't tell somebody, like, well, don't date anybody from other cultures because that means you're tokenizing because that, that's not true at all. You know, there's just right. there's a lot of weird gray area there. I think if your heart is in the right place, if you're going after somebody because you'd like them, they make you feel excited. You know, you have a, a fun dynamic. Your your personalities match well. Then, like, go after that feeling and not so much the categories uh, again. Um, yeah, but I, live I, off I, vibes. Vibes based <laughs> program. <laughs> I'd like you to jump in because I want to ask you a controversial question, if you don't mind. Okay, go for it. What do you What do you think about the allegation that exists in black spaces that some black men are colorist in their dating choices that they prefer quote unquote fair complexion black women? And that's used to stigmatize them for those choices. They, those women may or may not be black as well. Um, that's true. They may be Latino. They may be... They may be just be, have a fair complexion. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen it. Uh, I don't want to be that person who talks about low vibrations and high vibrations. But for me, it's just a little too terrestrial. <laughs> it's a little too here. Um, I I like people who are more, I don't know, fluid and dynamic and less held to things like complexions and, you know, ethnicity necessarily. I think what's really important in, in all of these situations is that the other person is still able to feel like a human being with you. So, like... If you're going to fetishize somebody, there's an intimacy, there can be an intimacy issue there. So there's a distance in the relationship, and there's also a lack of uh, humanization for the other person. So I think those are two really important things to make sure are intact in a relationship. And, uh, oh, please continue. Go ahead, Audrey. I was going to say, um, also, if you can kind of own uh, the fetishization, like as the object of mm. the fetishization, if you can sort of go, yeah, this guy, he's a chaser and I'm uh, horny. So we're going to do that. And then I'm going to never speak to you again. Like there's a degree <laughs> to which uh, that can be useful. Wow. Tucson, you want to go to any more questions? Or keep going? You can keep going. <laughs> Excuse me. Is it not okay? Is it not cool to ghost a girl on Tinder, start talking to another girl, and it's going good? So you go pick her up at her place, and the other girl who you ghosted turns out to be her roommate. I'm just kidding. Ah! God, I know it's <laughs> I know it's cool as hell. Camera. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bragg. God damn. The odds. The odds. I think those are rap lyrics. Wow. wow. I'm showing my I love I love our audience. I don't know that song either. They said can't. Well, I think that's what that is. All right, Tell maybe we want to address it. Lyrics. Yeah, please do. <laughs> if I we talk about ghosting on the show. I mean, that's that's certainly something we talk about. If this is a legit yeah. situation, you ghosted somebody, you're talking to somebody else, you go over there, her roommate's the person you ghosted. It's just an awkward situation. If you can finesse your way through that, more power to you. Like, you're not doing anything wrong by talking to somebody, talking to a bunch of people on dating apps, and it doesn't pan out, and you stop talking. Like, you don't need to take that personally. That can be shitty in certain circumstances. You're talking forever. You make plans and then you just cut somebody off. Like that sucks. But also people have a million things going on. And if you're still at that stage, mm. you're just messaging on dating apps. 
again, it can suck, but I think you really got to not take that stuff personally. Right. For this particular thing, like ethically, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. You're talking to somebody. They're not for me. Hey, I like this person. Oh shit. This is her roommate. Like that's an awkward situation. And it's, I mean, I don't know if I would, you'd have to have a big conversation. I would be just come clean with the person of like, Hey, I was talking to your roommate also. And we stopped talking and that might be a thing. That's just more avoiding social awkwardness than any sort right. of like you're a bad person. Yeah, that's There's just no a goofy situation. It's just goofy. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said this is a Biz Marquee bar. <laughs> something here. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> An updated version of just a friend. Yeah. Another, another question here. I'm gonna date your friend. I'm a male human in the second half of my 20s who has never dated before. While I have absolutely no patience for bigoted and reactionary incel ideology, I do think that the social alienation caused by capitalism has led to some people falling through the cracks. Do you have any advice to offer people trying to get started with dating a bit later in life? Do you have any broader thoughts on the question of social alienation and capitalism. Ooh. Wow. I think that dating is uh, is a skill, right? Dating is something that we develop over time. Meeting a new person, uh, engaging with that person, sharing your best qualities, learning about them, and then developing a relationship. This is something that takes time to develop. The first time you start a relationship, typically isn't that you are in school or you're there's some kind of social group where you're kind of tossed together and then the two of you started you know you start making eyes at each other and like catching glances and smiling and all this shit and then you go and you talk to each other and then you the relationship sort of organically forms out of that and so i would say that it is important for somebody who has never done that before to not you're not going out to date. You are going out to engage socially with other people and to maybe maybe meet somebody that you will date because you don't have mm -hmm. you don't have that skill set. You're not a you're not a killer like that yet. Um, so you have to just wait until something organically develops with somebody in a more loose sort of social situation and outside of like apps or anything like that. Or just get on the apps and say hello to people until somebody likes you back, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just too. another avenue to it. Like, this is something we talk a lot about and we get a ton of questions about. Is like, oh, I'm socially awkward. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm out of school. Like, I don't meet people through my job, really. Where the hell do you meet people? Like, a lot of what we say is, like, find an activity that you're into. If you're, like, going to a lot of shows or something, maybe you've got you know a, a music scene in your uh in your city you're really into that type of music they're throwing underground shows go to that kind of thing you're gonna immediately have something in common with people there you have something to talk about off the bat or if it's something like a sport rock climbing is kind of our joke one that we keep coming but we used to just tell people start going to the rock climbing gym because then yeah. you're sitting and watching people climb and you can talk to each other whatever like any kind of activity because then it's not a forced thing. Yes. You're not feeling like I, if I don't find somebody here, this is going to suck. Like you're doing something you enjoy and it's filtering for people who also enjoy that thing. And there's a natural Avenue to be like, how long you've been doing this? I just got into it. What's your name? Whatever the fuck. And uh, cause it is just, it's another element of social skills. You know, it's like meeting friends. People have the, the same challenge, uh, you know, when they're out of, something like college where it's a lot easier to kind of you have people around you it's more walkable there's more like group organizations and stuff happening and it's the same kind of thing it's just find those communities in the place that you're at it's also just generally good advice for fighting the alienation they're talking about because like fuck if you don't have that in a place that you're at if you're not involved in like a religious organization or anything it can be really easy just to be like where the fuck do I even meet people? Yeah. You know, how do I and, talk to another person? Then you start despairing, putting weird pressure on yourself because you're only dating to be dating. And so there's all this intensity around it. Mm -hmm. I also just want to tell this person, like if you're late twenties, 
and you haven't dated before like that that's not crazy that's not like an insane thing we have a lot of people write in with that i know people in long-term relationships who didn't meet or start dating until they were in their early 30s like obviously there's a bit more challenge there for the reasons i was just talking about before uh but don't get in that mentality of like it's too late for me the clock is is ticking down because yeah. that's just putting weird, bad pressure on yourself and you're going to crush your self-esteem treating yourself like that. Absolutely. So knock it off. Listen to our show. We're cool. We'll give you, <laughs> we'll give you good tips. <laughs> All right. Tucson, you want to go any further? You want me to keep rocking and rolling? Keep rocking and rolling. All right. I need advice for, for someone who spent so little time in social situations over the past two years that they no longer remember what their own personality is mm. or who or or is or was to expand on this the question i think we mainly come to know ourselves through our interaction with others and in the relative absence of meaningful interactions over a long period of time, I feel like I don't have enough information to even really introduce myself to anyone. Like I was meeting someone new and they asked me what they what the deal is, I would honestly have to answer, I don't know. Jeez. Shit. Yeah, I look, I I felt this. People at what are you into? And you go, I I honestly couldn't tell you. I spent I dissociate for vast swaths of time and then I uh I kill time plinking away whatever games in front of me. You know what I mean? I just play mm-hmm. I play video games. You just say that. <laughs> uh so I think it it's a matter of you know, the world is laid out before us now in a way that wasn't true in previous eras. You can kind of just go and explore anything learn anything get into anything and then find people near you with that same interest it's sort of the same question right like it's a matter of reconnecting with yourself and then reconnecting with others and it's also understandable to like not have that especially if you are working like a demanding shitty job living paycheck to paycheck maybe multiple jobs and it's taking up so much of your day you're getting no fulfillment for it you get home and you're exhausted. You have to do chores and then pass out. Like it's understandable not to have something going on because it's like just a brutally isolating experience. It's really common in the culture that we live in. And so like just for one, like it's understandable. It's another thing where it's like you're not a screwed up person for that. That's can be a difficult thing to navigate. Depression can come out of that. I mean, Audrey's saying she's felt that I've I've felt some of that too in the past. I think the remedy for that that has helped me, we keep coming back to this, but doing stuff for yourself, getting involved in doing stuff that you like. I'm really big on making stuff. What kind of got me out of a really long stretch of depression was in part doing this show. Just yeah. like I had a similar thing where I was like, I don't, I don't ha- I have all of this stuff I want to express and I have nowhere to put it and my job is not fulfilling. I get no outlet for it there. And so I just feel isolated and, and very bleak outlook. Uh, and so, I mean, we, we were just to Audrey knew how to produce, you know, music and edit audio. And I don't know, I can talk good, I guess. And so we were like, let's just <laughs> record and see what happens. And I really encourage people to do more of that kind of thing. Like, yeah, there's something out there that you feel like trying just go for it you don't have yeah. to have success with it even it's yeah. just f- we've been doing this for five years we didn't make any money have any kind of patreon for the first three you know we get like 250 bucks a month now that's not a whole lot but we love doing the thing and it's a meaningful mm. thing to us and like now when i meet people i get to talk about this cool show that i do with my with my friend and you know you meet we've met so many cool people doing the show or yeah. also doing their own things and so maybe that's podcasting for you. Maybe that's playing music. Maybe it's learning how to paint. Like, I think just the process of creating something where you can put yourself into some of that, that is a really good place to start with these things. Even though it can be kind of frustrating and scary to get into new territory, I've been trying to reframe that as like, no, that's excitement. It's a good thing if I'm feeling that. Let's try to do more of that. That's a great answer. Robert Booth says, lower your standards up your average. 
Wow. Robert, wow. no. Robert, no. <laughs> That's wow. a good one. Damn. All right, we got another question. This just might be the last one here. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm in an online community with a guy. We'll call him Dave. He and I used to chat online a lot. At one point, it's he stopped hanging around so much, so I asked what was up. He he confided in me that his best friend, who was a female, left him. He said he was in love with her and that he was suicidal. I told him that I'd be around to support him uh, as a friend and as a person he could keep, who could keep him connected to the community because I know enough to know not to take all that take that all on myself. He told me that he was going to disappear for a while, but that he'd come back. Okay, there's more on Dave. It continues, yeah. This is a three-part question? Mm Mm-hmm. In that time, I randomly spoke to a mutual friend online privately, and she told me that she was really close to Dave, and she said he didn't lose his BFF. He lost an OF girl? He lost an OnlyFans. Oh. Only OnlyFans. OnlyFans girl that he had basically been stalking online. Oh, God. He was giving her tons of money that he didn't even have. She didn't like him like that, so she started threatening her. He started threatening her. Oh, like if God. she turned up dead, he'd be suspect number one based on his messages to her. I got freaked out. My friend and I tried to warn the girl and Dave about David, but she disappeared online and on her OnlyFans account. Jeez. Eventually, David resurfaced feeling betrayed because I said I'd keep in touch, but I felt like I didn't even know him anymore. Sorry to for, sorry for rambling. I see the guy online now. Our community doesn't know what happened, and he's like, why are you avoiding me? You said you'd be oh, there. God. What do I do? How do I distance myself after I told this guy I'd help him when he was suicidal? That is wow. brutal. God. That's brutal. I whoosh, You start by approaching Dave. You'd be like, hey, Dave, I heard some really gnarly shit about what you got up to with that OnlyFans girl. And I can't rock with that. Like, that's not, you know, not, that's not good behavior. And if he... If he cops to, if he goes, I know I was in a really shitty place and I'm, you know, I'm in therapy. I'm trying to move past this. That's one thing. If he goes, what are you talking about? I didn't stalk her. If he denies it, if he, you know, deflects, if he doesn't cop to the fact that what he did was super fucked up, then you can block Dave. You can tell Dave to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, anything like this, it's such a struggle because you're like, what if something happens and I could have stopped it by like breaking through to him? But there's an element to which, I mean, a big element to which that's out of your control. And that's like an awful thing to say because you're like, this fucker's out there. Like, what if he hurts somebody, right? But then what do you do? You report him to law enforcement. How the hell is that going to go in in this country? Like, it's very Mm -hmm. scary in situations like that where there's no clear path to like justice. Like in a decent situation that guy would get some kind of inpatient therapy and undoing like all of this awfulness that drives somebody to do things like that, which is the isolation that we're, we're talking about before. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think just reaching out to that OnlyFans girl was really the only right thing to do. We've had multiple people on our show who are OnlyFans creators and we've heard mm-hmm. some horror stories from everyone like yeah. sex work in general. There is going to be, there's a lot of, awful shit out there that happens there's a lot of really scary stuff with like obsessed viewers like that and the weird like parasocial thing that's happening and so you know all you can do is alert them so that they can block them be aware of that you know take whatever uh, action that they can to get that person away from them basically but like again you can do that but it isn't on you to then go and, and fix this person. If your relationship is good enough, and like Audrey was saying, if you can get through to them, like what you're doing is is fucked up. And this isn't going to bring you like the, the, the peace or like connection that you want either. That's admirable and like go for it. 
But again, you might not have the capacity for that. This person also sounds potentially very dangerous. And like, how involved with that do you want to get? When again, it isn't ultimately your responsibility to, to solve this for that person, which sucks as an answer, but like that situation just sucks. That's such a nightmare of isolation stuff we were talking about, of mental health type stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. But sometimes you kind of just got to let go for your own sanity in those situations. Warn yeah. Again, do the right thing of warning people who are potentially going to be affected. Um, but I, I, like, I wish there was a magic bullet here. We just don't have a society that's set up to prevent and, and treat awful situations like that. And that's a really scary and frustrating thing. Yeah. Well, we've come up on an hour. I want to thank you guys for thank you. On. Thank um, you for having us. We got hit by a bomb at the end there with that question. We really <laughs> did it. Can you, can you tell our audience and viewers where they can find your, your show? Absolutely. Uh, Radio Free Tote Bag is the, the name of the show. Like a free tote bag you'd get from NPR or something. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at RFTBpod. I'm at RFTB Dono. Audrey is at RFTB Audrey. Uh, our website is RFTB.me. We got all the episodes on there. Uh, we're on, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all your standard streaming places. Nothing else is called that because it's a ridiculous name. So look it up and you will find us. Uh, and if you feel like you like us, you want to support us, uh, we've got a Patreon as well, patreon.com slash RFTB. We do a bonus episode every week. Uh, guests back there, guests up front. We've been on other shows too. Um, check it out though. RFTB.me. Come for the hotties. Site. Stay for the good advice. That's right. <laughs> Stay for the bird fact All sometimes. Right. <laughs> Great. Well, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys coming on. We definitely want to keep you in the loop if we want to have another show on this subject matter. Just so you, have any, you have any parting words that you want to add? Thank you so much. I've wanted to do a show like this for like literally years. And so it's super weird to see you and, and hear your voices come out of faces. It's weird for <laughs> us too. That's <laughs> cool. About it. <laughs> that's very cool too. And uh, just thank you for uh, for making this happen. Thank you right. for having us on. No problem. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate you guys coming on. Well, that's about it for we at This Is Revolution podcast. As we said earlier, Jason is away on a mission that is not too impossible, and he hopefully will be back with us on our Thursday night episode. I believe Thursday we should be having Adolf Free Jr. on the show talking about one of his latest piece in non-site. We will keep you posted about that and uh, look forward to our upcoming podcast on Saturday. We are still in Black History Month, and we will be having maybe some more episodes dealing with questions of that nature. Mau Mau Hour is coming soon. And pretty much that wraps it up. We are M. Toussaint. Out. <laughs>